Hannah, thank you. So the reading is taken from Genesis 4, and it's verses 1 to 10. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the first firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must, not, you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Have I done something? There we are. Thank you, Annabella. Uh, let's pray together before we uh, think about this some more. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it um, reveals fresh things to us each day. And as we consider this passage and others beside it this evening, we pray that you would speak really clearly to us through it, that we would hear your voice at work in our lives. And Lord, would you come and allow your word to dwell within us deeply? Would you help us to know your presence in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, this evening we're continuing our series on Living Free that we've been looking at for uh, week four. We're on now, I think, I think I've got the right number at the top. Uh, we didn't have a sheet last week for Stuart's talk on authority, uh, largely because I didn't have a chance to chat with him about it beforehand, so that's my fault, I apologise. Uh, but that's okay, we've got one for this uh, week. Uh, and as Stuart said last week, one of the main uh, points of Living Free is to enable the church to open their eyes to understand the authority that we have in Christ. And to do that, uh, we need to understand a number of foundational things. Some of those things we talked about over the last few weeks. In week one, we thought about the fact that we live in two realms. In week two, we talked about the fact that God had an original design for us, a good original design. Uh, his, his plan was for good for us, for a good relationship. Last week, uh, Stuart talked about the fact that we live under authority. In future weeks, we'll think about the fact that we are in authority. A little bit today, more in future weeks. But it's foundational for us to understand before we start acting in authority that we are under authority, just as the centurion understood with Jesus. This evening, we're thinking, for the first of two parts, uh, thinking about our identity and our authority that we have within our identity and how our identity can sometimes affect uh, the way that we live as Christians. 
Some of you may remember this uh, slide uh, from about a year ago. Uh, and I talked about the various bad things that happen around us. Uh, it's bad is stuff that happens that we have no control over. Uh, and when, we, when it's bad stuff happens, uh, we're called to a period of lament. It's okay to lament bad stuff happening. It's okay to be down about it. But we should move from that place to a place of hope rather than a place of bitterness. Uh, we talked about your bad. This is stuff that happens to us, other people doing things to us. And when other people do things to us, it can hurt us, it can make us angry, and that's an okay emotion to have, but we should move from those place, that place to a place of forgiveness. If we don't, we'll move into a place of resentment. And we also talked about my bad, the stuff that we do and the way that that affects our um, identity. And anything that we do that is wrong, any sin that we commit, uh, will make us hopefully feel guilt in some way. Guilt is not necessarily a bad thing. Conviction of sin is not a bad thing, provided it leads us to repentance. If it doesn't lead us to repentance, it stays with us as shame. Um, repentance, guilt says, you have sinned, I have sinned. Shame says, I am a sinner. See how the difference is in uh, the identity. Uh, and if we don't get our hands on what we've done, uh, we carry these things with us. We carry this shame with us around. Uh, some of you have noticed, you've made comments to me that I've lost uh, some weight over the last uh, few months. Uh, it's been more noticeable in the last few weeks because I've bought uh, some new clothes. In this bag down here uh, are all of my old clothes uh, that no longer fit me. They're on their way to the charity shop. They just haven't made it yet, yet there yet. Now, if I were to go around wearing these jeans, uh, they would fall down, uh, which is not a look that any of us want to, want to see, uh, I think. If I wore the shirts, they would look big and uncom uh, uncomfortable. It wouldn't look right. That is my old identity. The clothes I now wear are my new identity. I don't carry this bag around with me saying, look at the things that I used to wear. That would be ridiculous, apart from today, obviously. <laughs> For the purposes of a sermon illustration, it's all right. <laughs> I don't do that generally. I don't walk around the streets carrying that bag with me. I don't wear those old clothes. They don't fit anymore. They're part of my old identity. So what about these things that we do then, this sin that we find ourselves uh, doing? I talked in uh, week two uh, about the devil's tactics and about the way in which he tempts us, uh, and, and we see it in Genesis 3. I've put it there just as a recap on the top of your worksheet. The devil's tactics are the same today as they were all those thousands of years ago. The devil tempts us to doubt God's word, to doubt his goodness, to doubt his truthfulness, and to doubt his otherness. All sin has its root somewhere in at least one of those four, often multiples of those four. And we need to deal with sin when we see it happening in our lives, we need to move to a place of repentance. I'm grateful to Annabella for reading our passage for us this evening. It's a great uh, passage. We hear the story of Cain and Abel. We probably know uh, the story of Cain and Abel. What we see at the beginning of the story is that Cain is angry towards Abel because he feels like he's been treated unjustly. 
And God says to him, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin breeds sin. The sin of being angry with Abel eventually leads to Cain murdering Abel. I'm not suggesting that everybody you're angry with, you're going to go out and murder in a few days' time if you don't deal with it. Of course I'm not. But sin does breed sin. We see this in our lives. We see this in the lives of others around us as well. And I love that verse, that sin is crouching at your door. It reminds me of that famous verse uh, from 1 Peter. I put it here at the bottom of the sheet. Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Why does sin breed sin? There's all sorts of reasons. Psychologically uh, speaking, uh, we... If we sin, we sometimes give up on not sinning. Going back to my diet illustration, uh, the, reason, the number one reasons why people fail diets is because they have a, a bad day or a bad week or even a bad month, and then they go, you know what, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm just going to carry on eating the rubbish that I've eaten for the last day, week, month, whatever it is. I know that that is something that I have had to deal with as I've lost weight. Similarly, with sin, we do things that we shouldn't do. Maybe we repetitively do them. And then we go, you know what? I'm not even going to bother repenting of this anymore. I'm just going to allow it to become a part of my identity. But there are other reasons as well. There's a deeper and more significant reason for the purposes of living free. And that is that when we sin, we allow the devil access into our lives. Ephesians 4 uh, verses 26 and 27 says there, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. The word foothold there uh, is the word topos from the Greek. It's translated as foothold. And it literally means a piece of ground, legally owned. It's an area or a territory that we give to the devil when we sin. We give access. Uh, I, was, I was at some teaching elsewhere uh, a few weeks ago, and someone very helpfully uh, made a point, which I want to make sure you've heard very clearly this evening. It is impossible for Christians to be possessed by the devil. It is impossible for Christians to be possessed by the devil. Two weeks ago, I showed you the ball in the water uh, and the fact that Christ lives in us. As well as us living in Christ, Christ lives in us. We are possessed, if you like, by Christ, and he doesn't take lodgers. It is impossible to be possessed by the devil. It is possible to be oppressed by the devil. It is possible for the devil to uh, oppress us. Two different words. Possession means it's inside of us, very hard to deal with. Oppression is something that comes against us that we can take authority over. We'll look at that a little bit later. 
And there might be things that we do, uh, and we do them unintentionally, which allows the evil one access into our lives, perhaps even uh, without realising it. Uh, The spiritual MOT that I've put there is a whole list of things uh, that people do, sometimes unintentionally. Some of them you wouldn't do unintentionally. I hope none of you have gone gone and done Satanism unintentionally. Uh, But there are other things on that list which you might go, oh, I'm not sure about that. The one that most people, and I give this list to those that are coming to be baptised, and the one that most people flag up with me is yoga. Because a lot of people have been involved in yoga, and uh, they're really worried about why I've put it on this list. Now, of course, it's possible for me to do a stretch, I'll do one now, and praise Jesus. Jesus, you are praised. Oh, well, that is not a yoga stretch, but it's a stretch. That's okay. The the point is, it's about, there's two things. Firstly, it's about the root of the thing that we are doing. It's also about the person that is instructing us or teaching us and the roots that come uh, from that as well. Uh, About two years ago, uh, I went on holiday with um, some friends of mine and their children. We all went to this big house in France. Uh, We're all relatively healthy uh, humans, uh, and we all get on very, very well, which is why we go on holiday together. Uh, Within 12 hours of arriving at this house, five, five of the six adults were unwell, really, really unwell. All of the couples had argued both as a couple and with each other, and all of the children were screaming at each other. Normally fairly placid children were screaming and screaming at each other. Uh, One of us went for a walk. Uh, It wasn't me. Uh, One of the team went for a walk uh, to cool off. And as they walked back, they saw a sign which we hadn't seen. Attached to the house was another house where the owners of the house lived. And in the house we were staying, uh, they practiced Reiki healing, acupuncture, yoga, and um, something else, which has fallen out of my head, it doesn't matter. All of which have their roots in Eastern mysticism, all of which claim um, that something other than Jesus is Lord. These things have been practiced in this house for years. Uh, They came back and said, guys, because these guys have done living free several times, uh, I've just seen this, I think we need to pray. So we gathered together, we took authority that we have in Christ over that space, and uh, we claimed that space for Jesus. Within 12 hours, all of the people who were ill were better. The children had a lovely holiday. We all had a lovely holiday. We can do things unwittingly. We can have things come against us unwittingly that we don't realize. We can allow the devil a foothold unwittingly if we aren't careful. There are, it is possible that the things happen in our family line as well, generationally, things that have happened in the past that we've had no involvement on, which can have an impact in our lives. Um, Come next week, it won't be on the recording, but come next week and a member of our church family will share a really powerful testimony of something that his family have been involved in and the freedom that he has received from coming back in line with Jesus and declaring Jesus as Lord in his life. I'll leave that taster for you for next week. He wasn't available uh, for this week, unfortunately. Um, so how do we deal with stuff when we, see it coming, when, we, when we see sin? What do we do? We use, in this church, we recommend something called the five R's. You don't find the five R's in Scripture. Jesus didn't say, uh, I recommend to deal with sin. You do the five R's, specifically as Adam Tams will teach it in 2019 at St. Paul's Leamington Spa. Uh, that's not what Jesus said. Uh, I don't know why he's got that voice all of a sudden. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I'm sure you've got a much nicer voice than that. <laughs> 
However, every one of these five things are biblic, uh, based in Scripture. I've put Scriptures throughout them uh, uh, for you to help you to see uh, that. And it's a helpful tool. It's one of many tools uh, that we have found in dealing with sin, uh, dealing with things that come, uh, that w- ways in which we've come uh, against uh, the Lord. The first of these is obviously the fact that we need to recognize whatever it is uh, that we're praying uh, for repentance of. Uh, And this can be easy or it can be difficult. Uh, Some of you may have come across this before. I think I've used it here at this church before. This is called the Jahari window. It sounds Eastern mystical. It's not. It's just, I think it's Jones and Harris or Joseph and Harris, two psychologists that came up with it. Don't worry about it. It's very helpful for framing uh, how we can see different types of sin at work in our lives. The first one, top left-hand corner, is stuff that we do that we know about and everybody else knows about. Uh, I'll give an example of that in a minute because the one on the right-hand side has now become that uh, for me. But we all know that there are things that we do that we know we shouldn't do, and sometimes, uh, and it's very easy for other people to see that in our lives. Um, The bottom uh, left is stuff that we know, but other people don't know about us. Again, there will be things that we all have that we know we do, that we do in secret, uh, that uh, we know about, but no one else knows about. The top right is stuff that other people can see and uh, we cannot see. Uh, For me, this uh, was brought home to me uh, when Jess and I went on holiday. I know, again, I've shared this with you, but as an update. Um, uh, And we were walking past some shops, and uh, she laughed out loud, which is not uh, normal for my wife to laugh out loud in the street. And she said, I'll be back in a minute, went into the shop and came out and handed me this. This is a plaque. I haven't got a copy of the plaque, but I've got the words uh, for you. It says, I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right. And she handed this plaque to me and said, that's you, Adam. Thanks for speaking into my identity there. Uh, Actually, uh, this spoke into something in my life, something that I am still dealing with to this day, because at Christmas, uh, my mum bought me uh, a, uh, if we can put the next picture up, one of them coasters, uh, with the words, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Uh, And then Jess bought me this mug, which says, which is literally in the kitchen, I'm not bossy, I just have better ideas. All of these things speak into the fact that I can be quite controlling over stuff going on. Uh, That might be a shock to some of you who know me, uh, but uh, it is true. There is control is something uh, uh, that has actually become a stronghold. We'll talk about those uh, next week. It's something that I have had to deal with uh, really uh, quite a lot. It's become now open. I'm hoping to tell you about it. You can see it at work in my life. I know when it's exhibiting itself in my life as well, and I'm relatively good at um, controlling the control, uh, ironically. Um, But there are all things, uh, those are are three areas. The last one, the bottom right-hand corner, is stuff that is unknown to us, so we don't perhaps see it, and also unknown to other people. And to to reveal these things in our lives, generational stuff may well be uh, this. We need prophetic Insight. There's been some generational stuff that I have prayed through that was revealed to me through prophecy and later when I've done some family digging discovered to be true. 
Uh, there are all sorts of things. I've given some examples in Scripture where uh, sin is revealed prophetically there in 2 Samuel and in John's Gospel. We resist revelation of sin because of pride, because of fear, uh, because of unbelief, and because of control. All sins within themselves, all things that we do to try and resist ourselves doing this. And in order to come before God, to truly recognize something that we're doing, it will take us being humble, it will take us having courage, and it will take us longing to see God's glory at work in our lives more and more. So let's imagine that we have recognized something. Let's continue to use uh, the control. Uh, The first thing we need to do is we need to repent of that thing. Uh, And repentance is really easy, actually. It's saying, I repent uh, where I have allowed control to operate in my life. I repent of this thing. It's very easy, but it's spiritually significant, When we repent, we break the topos, the foothold that we have allowed, that we have established, the access that we have given uh, the evil one into our lives. And we need to reclaim repentance as a wonderful gift. It's not a dirty word. It is why Jesus died on that cross so that we can be forgiven our sins. It is glorious and wonderful that we can come before him in repentance. Repentance literally means the turning of our, of our mind to the changing of our minds. And as I say, it breaks the, um, the enemy's hold over us. It's also important that we forgive others as well. Jesus says you must forgive others in order to be forgiven. But it's not hard work. We just have to recognize it, which is often the harder bit. And then we pray that God will forgive us. And then we receive, the third R, we receive God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now this is where uh, many of us stop, actually. We recognize we've done something wrong. We pray uh, that we will... um, Uh, We pray forgiveness for it. We say, Lord, I'm sorry for having done that. Repent of that. And we receive his forgiveness. And then we go home and think everything's sorted. But we have, we heard last week, we have authority in Christ. And often we find that when we do those three, we end up falling back into those old sin patterns again. We end up doing those things again, finding those things at work in our lives. It's why the second two are important. But before we do that, I'm going to stop talking for a moment and show a short um, video. This is from The Passion of the Christ. Some of you may have seen this video. It's quite powerful uh, imagery that has been done in it. I apologize for that. Um, But I actually really like the power that is in uh, the imagery that Mel Gibson put together because it often wakes me up and makes me realize the seriousness, even on a small scale, the seriousness of what Christ did for us on the cross. The scene we're going to watch is Christ himself being tempted uh, by the devil. Let's watch uh, this together.
Fuck. Okay. 
Jesus says in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We have authority in the spiritual realms to trample on snakes. What we on snakes. What we see happening uh, there in that imagery is Jesus being oppressed but not possessed. We have authority over the temptation that the evil one will send our ways. The evil one doesn't make us sin. He doesn't lift our hands and do stuff. He will tempt us in those ways on the front page. Tempt us to trust out God's truthfulness, his word, his otherness, his, tr- uh, his faithfulness. Uh, going back to my diet, my favorite cake in the world is Victoria Sponge. The devil could tempt me to try and eat this. He can't force me to eat it. I have to make that decision for myself. Just, uh, I, hope I just found that in the kitchen. I'm not going to eat it. Someone else will have to. Submit to God, it says in James. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Last week, Stuart had us uh, literally trampling on snakes. And I think it's helpful imagery. It might feel a bit weird and a bit funny, but actually it's helpful imagery to see that video, to see the work of the evil one attempting to tempt us away from God's word and his truthfulness and to physically do something about it and say, do you know what? I have authority in Christ. I am going to trample on this. So that's number, reason number one why repentance we sometimes find doesn't work. There's the other reason why repentance doesn't work. The other re- thing that we don't do is we don't replace what it is. Uh, our car was in for a service a few weeks ago. It needed new brake pads and discs all the way around, very expensive. Um, what I didn't do was say to the garage, can you remove the brake pads and discs and then just give me the car back? Uh, the car would not be working very well. It would not be very safe to drive if I attempted to drive it without brake pads and discs in it, would it? I'm assuming that. I've got brake experts smiling at me. I'm sure he's going to tell me I got that wrong in a minute, uh, but that's fine. It wouldn't be a safe thing. We ask, we remove the faulty things and we replace it with a new thing, don't we? It's the same with God. It's the same with sin. We remove, we rebuke the temptation, we rebuke the work of the evil one and we replace it with truthfulness, of, with the truthfulness of God. It says, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. We're to put off our old self and to put on our new self. Declare truths over ourselves. Maybe use the um, Christian birthright cards. There are more in the foyer if you haven't got any. Got one. Replace the uh, temptation with truthfulness. If we don't, we simply create a vacuum in our lives. Similarly, back to the diet, I can uh, resist the temptation of the cake. It's a lot easier if I replace the cake with an apple or something healthier. We replace what is bad with something that is good. Cake is good sometimes too, by the way, uh, just so you know, but not when you're on a diet. So these five things are helpful. As I say, uh, you don't find the five R's listed by Jesus, but you find all five principles through Scripture, and I've given you more Scriptures there uh, to look at. 
Go back to that original passage that we had in Genesis. God says to to Cain, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at our door, saints. It desires to have us. The Lord, uh, the Lord, the Lord loves, wants nothing more than for us to come into his, uh, under his authority, to know our identity. The evil one wants nothing more but to tempt us away from him. Sin is crouching at our door. But we have authority to trample on snakes. I keep saying stakes. You can trample on stakes as well if you like. That would do less good, I imagine. We have authority to trample on snakes. We have authority in the spiritual realms. We will think about what our authority looks like uh, in future weeks when we're praying for others. But first and foremost, again, fundamentally, we need to get our own relationship with God right We need to come back into alignment with him and we need to be declaring him as Lord. Jesus is able to easily recognize the work of the evil one and to trample on him because he is in perfect relationship with Father God. It's what he calls us to uh, this evening. It's what he calls us to every day of our lives. Uh, We're going to pray together uh, before we come to communion in a moment. Communion is is a glorious reminder of what Christ did for us on that cross. We share in his blood and in his body and remember that he died for each and every one of us. Before we do that, let's pray together. Would you stand with me? Perhaps the band can uh, attempt to come back around, around me. I'm going to pray through uh, those five R's for us together. And as I said originally, the first one uh, is recognize, which is sometimes uh, easier with some things, it's harder with others. Just bring to your your mind something that you know you struggle with, something uh, that you know you need to bring before the Lord and come to him in repentance for. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Just give you a moment or two of silence to let the Lord speak. And then we pray repentance. Lord, we are sorry for when we haven't called you Lord, when we've allowed things to get in the way of our relationship with you. We're specifically sorry now for the thing we've just been thinking about. Name that before the Lord and say sorry specifically for it. And then we receive 
God's forgiveness. Some words from Anglican liturgy, which I love. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness. And keep us in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And then we rebuke the work of the evil one. Lord, we thank you for the authority that we have in you to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. We rebuke the work of the evil one's um, ability to speak to us in this area that we've struggled with. Just in the silence, again, name that before the Lord. And Lord, we declare that nothing will harm us as you promised to your disciples. We submit to you, to your will. We resist the work of the evil one. And we know that in our authority in you, he will flee from us. Amen. And lastly, we replace. Lord, we recognize the areas of our life where we've allowed this sin to take a hold of our identity. We don't walk from this place carrying it like that bag of clothes around with us. We walk from this place as your chosen people, holy and dearly loved, seated with you in the heavenly realms, clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Help us to know you at work in our lives. Help us to know your truth that we find in your word. Help us to be proactive in whatever it is that comes against the thing we were doing. If, like me, you struggle with control, be proactive in allowing the Lord to be in control, allowing others to be in control. If you're often angry with people, be proactive in showing grace and peace to them. Whatever it is, we replace it with your goodness. And Lord, as we come to communion together in a moment, we pray that this wouldn't be just something we do once and forget about and never return to again. We pray this would become part of our daily walk with you that we would be daily renewed, that we would daily be putting off our old and moving into the new, that we would daily remember what you did for us on that cross, the price that you paid for us. So Lord, I pray you would meet with us, meet with us now as we worship Meet with us again afresh as we share communion together. In Jesus' name, amen.